There's a big weekend of World Triathlon racing coming up on Triathlon Live as the 2023 World Cup circuit gets underway in New Plymouth on Sunday morning local time, late Saturday in Europe and the US. None other than Gwen Jorgensen back on a World Cup start for the first time since her win there in a momentous 2016 season. We have the Europe Triathlon Cup Quartera with the likes of Gustav Eden, Johnny Brownlee and Cassandra Bogrand towing the lines and the Winter Triathlon World Championships from Norway on Saturday from 10am local time. Non-subscribers can watch Quartera and the Winter Worlds for free. Thanks as always for all your emails. It is congratulations to Sean McCulloch who wins episode 72's prize of a year's subscription to Triathlon Live just in time for the new Plymouth races. This episode's question is, which Italian won the last New Plymouth World Cup back in 2019? Just email your answer to podcast at triathlon.org and a year's subscription could be yours. Now, on with the pod. Today on the World Triathlon Podcast, we preview the 2023 World Triathlon Winter Championships being held in Skikampen, Norway, this weekend in the company of the champion two years ago, Hans Christian Tungsvik. Hans may have only hit the winter multi-sport world in 2021, winning silver in Norway's National Winter Triathlon Champs before going on to win gold in the World Champs Andorra at his first attempt. But over the next 40 minutes or so, we will hear how his story goes much further back into some of the most demanding races the triathlon world has ever come up with and includes smashing a 35-year-old world record in the saddle and why we should all be adding krill to our diets. Hans' winter world title defence last year may have been wrecked by a flat tyre, but he will hit the start line on Saturday with the added bonus of a home crowd right behind him. So Hans, welcome to the podcast. How are you and where are you? Thanks a lot, Doug. I am uh, very well. I'm in my uh, apartment in uh, in Oslo <laughs> now, uh, trying to to gather some energy and uh, and the rest before uh, before the action kicks off in uh, Chai Kampen this weekend. Sky Kampen. Okay, so my pronunciation was pretty far off. <laughs> I wasn't too bad, but it's uh, it's Shai to begin with instead of Ski. Ah, Shai Kampen. Okay, so there's barely a K to a silent K. That's the new one on me there. Yes, yes, yes. Good. So, trying to find some energy. How how have uh, how have preparations been going for the weekend? Well, in the beginning of the year, they were really challenging. I I ran a marathon in Valencia beginning of December and caught COVID uh, coming home from that. So basically, throughout all of December and January was uh, yeah, I was feeling really really terrible. Basically, getting through a, a day at work was uh, more than enough. So. Um, Towards the end of January, I, I was a bit pessimistic, to be honest, about uh, my ability to to find any any shape for both the national champs here in Norway and also the the world champs. But uh, since that, things have been going steadily in the right direction. So uh, I think I'm actually quite uh, well prepared and feeling good and ready, actually. Great. It's a major worry for an endurance athlete what it can do, the long-lasting effects, obviously, and just the kind of unknown, the, the way it will can affect very differently different people, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, one thing is the the period where you are you are actually sick. I, in my experience, that hasn't been really any worse than a normal cold. But uh, but uh, the risk of ha- having these long long-term effects and the real need to be very very patient in the beginning. I think that's something that's uh, has caught quite a lot of athletes by surprise, and <laughs> it really throws 
another aspect into the mix of uh, of uh, high performance uh, sports, basically, because uh, yeah, it hits uh, every one of us uh, at some point or another. So uh, yeah, uh, one more Joker card in uh, in the mix to um, to spice things up. But uh, yeah, I've been I've been fortunate now after starting to get things better. Uh, things have uh, gone in the right direction. So I think just patience and weight don't push the body before it feels ready to be pushed. That's uh, the main takeaway for me at least. But it's feeling ready to be pushed now. Are you hitting the kind of numbers that you would want to be hitting, <clears throat> you know, pre-COVID? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I feel uh, feel good. So uh, I know lots of other people have uh, prepared well uh, as well. So, uh, but I hope I can be in contention to uh, to fight for um, for some medals uh, comes uh, Saturday and Sunday and Friday. Yeah, yeah. So it, you know, the, the more I've been reading about you, the more interesting this uh, <laughs> this interview has become. I think it's um, yeah. You so obviously you came into the the winter triathlon um, in twenty one, like I said, with that the Norway champs and the and the silver. Um, and a gold at your first attempt at the world champs, beating people like, you know, Pavel Andreev, who I think he's a seven time world champ, right? So you've kind of, to some extent, come out of nowhere. Um, obviously not with, with a, you know, rich history in the, in the sport over, over many distances. So let's start with you coming in, uh, into the, the winter sport in the first place and, and how that came about. Uh, yeah, well, um, winter sports has been my main uh, main focus uh, during my youth. Uh, growing up in Norway, that's not uh, unusual. But uh, I did ski, uh, did cross country skiing competitively until I was twenty years old. So that was basically my what I did uh, during my my upraising and uh, spent uh, <clears throat> quite some times and weekends during the winter uh, trying to become a good skier. But uh, there are lots of people doing that in Norway. So when I uh, when I I didn't really reach the top level where uh, where the national teams at World Cup competitions and so forth would be um, would be uh, relevant or um, uh, accomplishable. So um, I uh, headed into the military, started studying, uh, and then during my studies, I I realized uh, or discovered triathlon. So I tried it. I was horrible at swimming, but bike and run was uh, quite okay, given that I had been uh, been a cross country skier. Mm-hmm. But I really found this joy and feeling of accomplishment of doing three different sports in one. So uh, one thing led to another. A couple of years, I really I I discovered that I kind of had some some talent for this really long long events within triathlon and slowly but steadily my swim also improved so so um after i think it was after four years uh i decided to to go pro and do this uh professionally uh it was summer triathlon from now uh, and that was uh fun lots of great experiences some good results also um but uh, i as as expected the swim was uh was always the the biggest struggle for me and uh as i didn't do any swimming while i was young i didn't really have that feeling of the water and the technique that's required to really perform and compete with the best so um 
when I then in the 2021 discovered this uh, winter triathlon where I could actually switch my weakest uh, my weakest leg which was to swim for a cross country skiing which which was basically yeah. probably my strongest uh, leg that was very tempting so um, I signed up for the Norwegian champs uh, terrible uh, bike conditions uh, so I think most people except except uh, Aiden Daxet who has been in the game for for quite some years and uh, is an avid uh, a mountain bike cyclist he has the technique he was able to 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 bike throughout the leg but <clears throat> most others were basically running more than they were cycling that day so so uh he he beat me by quite some time but um but it, it was a good first test and then um, i understood that i i should be able to to contend uh, in some way in the world champs but uh going all the way was an insane uh, experience and uh, very very surprising <laughs> so the the actual sort of discovery moment of of winter triathlon as a thing then how did that obviously so th- so this weekend yeah we're showing it on triathlon live it's going to be broadcast on the norwegian national tv channel as well right both the uh, elite men uh, the, the the triathlon races but in in a land of cross country skiing being obviously quite a dominant sport as well and winter sport in general, it, yeah, the profile of it obviously isn't quite there that you you knew of its existence beforehand anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I I think I I came about it uh, through a friend or I saw. I, I I actually don't really remember specifically where I heard about it or read about it, but. But in some way or another, I, I I discovered this thing. I had heard about it some some years before also. But then I was very very focused on the on on summer triathlon and spending all winter trying to improve my my swim, bike, and run. So, uh, but after some years, I thought oh, I want I want and miss the, some some competitions during the winter as well. Um, and then discovering this, that was kind of the perfect match uh, still being able to improve as a triathlete uh, in general uh, and uh, having some some training goals and also proper competition goals during the winter as well how, how was that sort of reception in andorra for that you know coming in as a bit of an outsider and a bit of a unknown quantity presumably you know there are some very established athletes on that on that men's start line and your lamastras and your andreas kind of presumably would have I don't know, maybe done a bit of research, known your kind of your triathlon pedigree, but um, but not necessarily yeah. know of you too much. No, it's true. Uh, for me, I think it could have actually been a positive thing that I didn't really know these guys because I didn't have that um, uh, that feeling of them being unbeatable because I didn't really know uh what had happened before the, the the only thing i basically know was that Pavlante was basic was the king and had that uh, one seven or eight times in a row so i assumed that he was uh not with not within reach and, and uh, the rest of the field i didn't really know and uh, so i just i went out there and tried to put together a good performance uh, and uh yeah, the run went uh, the run went quite okay. It, w- it was quite challenging being on uh, two thousand meters above sea level, so the uh, the altitude also played a, an important role here. But um, uh, yeah, so I, I went out quite conservatively, 
trying to just build my way through through the ranks on on the run. So I think I was fifth into team one, and um, me not being a very good uh, technic technical bike uh, rider, I <laughs> unfortunately uh, tackled one of the Spanish uh, Spanish guys. Tackled him and myself on on in the beginning of the of the bike. So we were both. Uh, <laughs> quite far off the off the course already after I think it was yeah 500 meters or so so a bad start to the swim uh, out to the bike and yeah, bike leg but uh, I got back on the bike and gradually just tried to uh, work my way through the field again uh, and it's uh, I wasn't in good shape so I know uh, I knew that I wasn't in good shape so that was definitely a benefit but um, uh, yeah I I didn't really know what it was, so I just I just ran and I biked, and I didn't really think about uh, who I was with in the packs and where I was at. Basically, just trying to to put together a good race. Um, and then when coming into T two, I I think I didn't, I was around tenth, but I re I didn't really know uh, where I was at in in the race. Um, but uh, I get the same level of sort of knowledge and know-how out there on the course of what, where everyone is, right? Exactly, and it's quite chaotic because there were then we were like 50, 40, 50 guys on the start line, so lots of people yeah. everywhere and people overtaking each other. So difficult to really know or have the have the perspective. Um, but I went out on the, on the bike, you know, on the on this cross country um, leg, and really felt that wow. This is a good day, and uh, and compared yeah. to the others, and uh, that was the first time I re really realized my my strength or my benefit from having done cross country competitively for many years. Uh, so I overtook quite some people, including Pavel Andreev, and I understood that okay, if I overtook him now, this should be quite good. Uh, and then suddenly there were there weren't any more people to overtake, and. And I was like, "Am I in the lead now?" I'm, <laughs> I wasn't really sure, but got it confirmed from one one of my coaches before uh, before the last lap, and then it was just an amazing experience, being able to enjoy the last lap uh, in those surroundings at two thousand meters above sea level, with the uh, sun and the Pyrenees uh, in the background. That was just. I actually had the had the opportunity to take it all in and and really enjoy it. So that was that. Uh, an amazing experience. Yeah. The Mario Moller of winter triathlon. I'll I'll take that comparison. I I'll do that. <laughs> and that um that first Andorra 2021 was before so the new format with repeating the three disciplines a whole nother time. Yes. That one wasn't was it in 2021? That's correct. So that was uh, was only uh, uh run bike ski uh once. So now for you know for the crowds there for TV for so on just so people listening know it's going to be um yeah run bike ski run bike ski um does that i mean does that give you more of a challenge you know splitting up your preferred leg into two slots i guess have an impact on on your potential to to, to use that secret weapon could it not, yeah not so yeah, yeah definitely um, <laughs> not so secret that's true but uh definitely it's uh you by having a ski leg which is 10k or 12k uh straight you really well i felt that i really had the possibility to to do some damage 
uh, really big, uh, quite a lot of seconds or even minutes on my competitors. But when it's only five, six uh, kilometers, it's uh, you don't have the same ability. But that that they basically goes for everyone who has one yeah. strong uh, leg or so. It evens out and it makes it makes the whole competition more uh, more exciting to watch and also more exciting to race. So um, I um, I think it's cool. Uh, I don't I don't mind it. But uh, for me, thinking about myself and my benefits, I think I would benefit more from having just once per per leg. And you grew up just on the outskirts of Oslo, right? So this it, it, is this an area that you know well. Is it a famous skiing or cross-country skiing part of norway um yeah are you, are you familiar with the territory up there or have you at least been up a couple of times for a for a recce yeah well uh Sykampen, where where the venue is is uh about three hours outside of oslo so it's not a place that i usually go for skiing and normally here in oslo we are very fortunate we have l- loads of skiing tracks just basically 10 minutes from the city center so that's quite uh, unique um but uh, but we have been up there uh, at the venue we had the national champs there so we tested uh, racing there and also had one one national uh, camp with uh, with the team uh, 3 weeks ago up there so we are quite familiar with uh, with the courses and with the place and hopefully that will make uh, give us kind of a, a home ground um, benefits um, this weekend yeah and conditions look all right i mean it doesn't look like it's going to be too windy the snow looks good but it's not going to come down too much in the next few days by the look yeah i think it looks uh, looks quite all right it's not uh for me as uh, as not the best technical biker i uh, my worst nightmare would be loads of snow and and quite uh, warm conditions and it looks like we're avoiding that but it's going to be below um, just below zero temperature so uh, i think the snow is going to be quite firm and quite good and not too much wind it's quite and uh, normally it's quite a windy place and uh, so uh, it's just pleasant for both us and the spectators that it is uh, it's not going to be too much room. a significant obviously significant number of norwegians on the start list some kind of new to the sport as well will there be a few more that are coming from a very cross-country skiing background uh that could also Kind of take a few people by surprise, perhaps not so much yourself, <laughs> but um, like I said, it's it's on it's being broadcast on national Norwegian telly. Will that you know? Do you think that will do a lot to to kind of broaden its horizons there as well? And, and you know, it is cross country skiing, for example, something that gets a lot of airtime. Is it something of a national sport? Is there a, a route through, and and this event could kind of really give it a bit of a boost? Uh, yeah, uh, cross country skiing is basically <laughs> the only thing, or one of the few things that uh, that's aired throughout all weekends uh, throughout the winter here in Norway. Though, so, so there are uh, yeah, an incredible amount of people actually uh, doing uh, <laughs> having uh, cross country skiing as their full time job, uh, even if you place 40, 50, 60 in the national champs. There are people who have this as their main job. Um, so, so the level and the width of the field uh, within uh, cross-country skiing is huge, and this also uh, has some impact on on people kind of seeing uh, seeing an opportunity here for to compete uh, in world champs in a different sport. So, so there are there will definitely be some uh, <laughs> some new names 
uh, to the World Triathlon community that will be up there. For instance, we had one one uh, debutant in uh, in the Norwegian champs who finished uh, second. That turned out well for me two years ago. So uh, maybe we have a, a repetition of that this year. And there's also one uh, for the duathlon. There was one uh, ski uh, orienteer. Uh, so they do they do orienteering uh, with maps uh, right on skis during the winter. So then. And they obviously do lots of running throughout the summer and ski throughout the winter. So it's going to be dangerous also uh, on the uh, on the duathlon. So um, definitely expecting some new new names to be up there and, and fight for the medals. Now your your past as a triathlete as well. Uh, I think you were maybe being a bit modest with when you're talking about your swim. I mean you've I, I so Norseman champion 2019. That's yeah. correct. Uh, an Ironman champion as well, so your swim can't be too shabby. But <laughs> tell us, tell us a bit about about your your journey into into the Norseman world as well. Um, again, for those that don't know, it's kind of considered one of the most challenging triathlons on the planet, right? Um, has it been something that you'd always fancied having a crack at? Uh, yes, definitely. I um, well, my. Uh... My parents have a cabin up uh, up in the mountains, a couple of hours here from uh, from Oslo, and uh, that's the area where the Norseman finishes. So, um, then 15 years ago, basically, probably was the first time I saw these maniacs uh, climbing towards Gaustadoppen uh, or Mount Gaustad, as it's called here, uh, close to this cabin, and. Uh, I was like, "What is this? What are they, do- they doing?" And someone uh, explained to me that, "Yeah, they they basically started on the other side of the country, on the west coast, then dived into uh, into the the fjord from this ferry, swam four kilometers, biked 180 k over the mountain plateau, and then now they have uh, been running 25 k flat, and then have 7 k only uphill up to this uh, up to this uh, mountaintop and the uh, first time I heard about it it's I was like what is that even possible these people are crazy but it also kind of uh, lit um, uh, a curiosity in me and uh, an interest to some someday sometime uh, try to finish this thing and this was before I even before I even tried triathlon this was when I did cross-country skiing and uh, so um, so this well, that was kind of the first little hint of uh, of interest for Norseman, and uh, I've been kind of following it more uh, tighter and tighter ever since. Um, and uh, that was kind of a, a dream in the back of my mind when I went into triathlon. That uh, okay, I want to come up with at the level where I can finish and and kind of compete for for top spots. Um. And it's really difficult to to qualify for or to to get a slot there because there are so many. It's a lottery. Basically, you need to be lucky, and so many applicants uh, these years, five thousand applicants and three hundred slots. So wow, you really need your luck on on your side. Yeah. Um, but I had uh, you know, uh, two thousand sixteen. I had a summer internship in in a company that was the main sponsor of the event. So I got a slot through uh, through them and. 
and uh, got to try it for the first time. So, and then I finished 11th. The first year uh, was an amazing, uh, the humbling experience, uh, but uh, it really proved to myself at least that, okay, uh, I, if I give it a couple of more years, I can really compete here and, and fight for top uh, top spots. So um did it once more uh, the next year, sixth place then, and then uh, took one, uh, one year off and then really decided that 2019 when it sold was also gonna be the first ever uh world championships in extreme triathlon or the x-tri series as it's called then i decided okay this year this is my year or this is the year that the only day that matters is the third of august uh and uh, the northland northland day so I basically planned the whole season for that one day and and uh, yeah, turned out really, really good. And they're really good. It was an incredible finish as well, wasn't it? With Alan Oda. Uh, yeah. Talk us through that, that, that final kind of the final stages because you were reeling him in for a while, but it, it was left quite late, no? Yeah, it was... Uh... It ended up being a very, very spectacular race. Um... I will, we were, uh, we swam together basically. So we were uh, equal into T1. Uh, I biked a bit, uh, better than him. So I was leading by three minutes into T2. Uh, I knew he was, well, he had won the race three times before. He was the definite favorite before we started. Uh, and I knew he, he was also a, a very, very good runner. So I kind of expected him to, to reel me in and he did after 15 K. So, um, and, and the course, the the run course of Northman is 25k flat, and then it's it goes just uh, last 17k rises uh, 1600 meters of altitude. Uh, so so basically only uphill. So he reeled me in after 15k, got two three minutes on me uh, before we started the hill, and then during the hill it takes about about two hours we just kept the distance constant all the way i tried really to push as hard as i can uh didn't get any uh any positive nor negative uh, feedback on the on the distance up to him so um yeah i just i kept on pushing but i uh, i kind of understood that okay it's gonna be second place today and uh and i was very happy about that i think it was when uh, when we had uh, five minutes left until the uh, until the finish line, I said to my support team, with my, which was my brother and a friend, that uh, okay, second place, that's also good in Norseman. We have to be happy about that. And then it took like uh, thirty seconds, and then I I looked up at the mountain and I was like, is that is that the suit? Is that is that Alan? He looks really tired. <laughs> And he was he was completely smashed. Uh, uh, yeah, muscles. I don't know, a bit too um, too little nutrition, or he, he was basically crawling. It's quite steep, so right. not too uh, too unnatural. But he was basically like using his hands, crawling. And I was like, yeah, it was. Uh, I had one uh, one devil here saying uh, that uh, you don't want to sprint now after a ten hour race. That's that's no way we do that and the other one saying okay this is your one chance to actually win win Northland luckily this uh, that side won and I uh, the adrenaline started pumping and I was like yeah 
total uh, autopilot mode, uh, dug deeper and um, and sprint sprinted <laughs> as fast as I could, and overtook him with 150 meters to go to the finish line in a 10-hour race. So that was the yeah, that was an extreme experience and uh, yeah, just uh, pure pure joy and happiness when I crossed the finish line. The feeling after that must, yeah. And for him, I mean, he was, I, I read something that he wrote after, like his magnanimous kind of uh, position after and just being very delighted for you in amongst the what must have been sort of crushing disappointment with 150 minutes to go for him was, I guess it says quite a lot, does it, about the uh, sort of strange camaraderie. It's such an individual sport. You're all doing crazy things, presumably in your own heads going through that. But um yeah, th- that sort of sense of shared achievement and and pain brings its own kind of uniting force, does it? Yeah, it does. And in in a race like that, where you're really fighting the <laughs> the the elements and the course, maybe more than each other, uh, it's uh, it's a very strong camaraderie, as you say, between the athletes, and uh, and it, and that also uh, made it even more special for me when when basically the the king of Norseman or or the big time favorite uh, says that even on his his best day i was able to beat him and he congratulated me that uh, made the whole experience just even even better so that was uh, the definite highlight of my my career so far we can we can say that and did you go to sort of darker places in those in the Norsemen than than in any other race of you did you do, have you done the swiss man as well did i like how do they sort of stack up what is your what's your kind of go to your your internal monologue if you will when you're you know finding those moments that you need to to spur yourself on when the chips are down yeah well um they are uh, both races are quite similar in kind of profile and and uh, how tough they are on paper but um the level the level of competition is definitely quite a lot higher in in Norseman. So uh, to be able to compete there and yeah, there <laughs> I really need to prepare to dig dig as deep as I can to to perform. In Swissman this year, uh, the field isn't that wide nor uh, nor that tough competition, and so in that regard, and also. Uh, my my mindset when going into Swissman was uh, was more the the experience and the views and the mountains and just to be able to take it all in. And as I had quite a good lead for for most of the race, I was really able to kind of push at the level where it was. Yes, I was tired, but it was also manageable, and I had uh, energy to to soak it all in. So I wasn't in in uh, dark places in in the same way there as uh, as in Norseman because uh, after having done Norseman for some time for uh, four times now I it's not really anymore about taking all the views in because I've seen them quite sometimes both in training and racing so now I am there to perform and uh, so yeah digging deep and fighting for position is is the, the only aspect of it for me now yeah, so your kind of you know your your pro career lends a lot owes a lot to the the natural environment that you're taking in as you're racing. Is that how does obviously like the sustainability of races and the impact that, that they have on the environment is, is hugely important 
now is is it something that you are you know would you consider yourself an activist in in any way is it something that you sort of hold dearly important in, in a way of i guess giving back to what you know is providing you your so much pleasure and, and how is that within norway in itself in a country of such sort of natural beauty and so on how where where does this sort of climate crisis um kind of come into things i uh yeah, it's a good uh, very valid uh, valid question um i i don't see myself as an activist in any way but i am very i really appreciate the the opportunities and the experiences the nature has to offer here in norway also both uh, summer as winter um and of course with the with the, the development we're seeing in, in the world uh, we are and we are definitely experienced that ex- experiencing that winters are getting shorter um we uh, and we have to create snow artificial snow instead of only having natural snow so and that's uh that's a huge pity uh, from my standpoint and i would be very i i've been fortunate to to be to be upraised in in uh in a country and uh in a time where where we had uh, all possibilities to go out and playing and do skiing throughout the whole winter but uh i really hope my children and uh, and generations after will have the same uh, same possibility so um so in that respect i i I try to contribute as good as good as I can to to activities and things that uh, preserve uh, the climate and and the world because mostly because it gives me so much personal personal pleasure and joy and uh, and experiencing the environment is uh, is one of the key motivations for me for uh, doing sports you know triathlon skiing. Yeah, everything. But yeah, so Shai Campen is um is going to provide a pretty stunning setting for for the racing. Then it's uh it's going to be a bit of a treat for those watching, is it? Definitely, definitely, and uh, I think it's going to be quite uh, kind of a difference uh, from what we experienced in Andorra the two previous years in regards to snow conditions. Uh, Shai Campen is uh, a very snow safe place, even late March. As uh, as the previous two years has been kind of uncertain if we would have uh, proper skiing conditions and uh, and uh, full snow coverage in the whole course, so um, no need to worry about that uh, at least now. And beautiful uh, Norwegian surroundings up in up in that area. It's 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 pretty flat out, presumably for for what will be somewhere in the region of an hour and a quarter. Hour and a half. Or not I even. think it's gonna be a probably hour and a half, maybe one forty-five. Um, it's uh, it's gonna take some. The, the courses there are quite uh, quite tough. Lots of hills, uh, both uh, compared to Andorra at least, and uh, the run is uh, significantly tougher. So um, yeah, probably uh, a bit slower, one and a half hour. You're doing both, right? You're doing the duathlon and the triathlon. Well, and the two by two, three day. Yeah, hopefully I'm. Uh, I qualify for the two by two also, so uh, it's gonna be a three day uh, tough weekend, but um, but it's gonna be fun. And as you say, it's uh, it's a whole different story regarding intensity and compared to Norseman, uh, and uh, <laughs> the fact that you at the different legs being 
cut in two, all of them also. They are so short, it's, it just, it makes you, it fools you, you a little bit because you always only think until the next transition and, uh, and that's quite short. So, yeah. so I think one key would, will also be to be a bit patient and not, uh, not rush it too much in the, in the first, uh, first round of, uh, of a triathlon. Yeah. Was that, it was you and Elizabeth Sveum, right? In, uh, 2021, um, and 22. Yes. Um, was that your first taste of that style of the mixed relay? It's, it's obviously not like the summer when it's for athletes, it's, it's two and you do the whole thing twice. Um, yeah, yeah quite a, quite a different and a nice like, addition to the, to the, to the repertoire there, isn't it? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a really cool, really cool event. Uh, both the fact that you're actually your team instead of only individual, we are normally individuals, all of us. So being able to, to compete as a team is super fun. And, uh, and, uh, the level of action and intensity as the legs are so short is, uh, it's, it's super hard, but it's also super, super fun, uh, and, and cool to experience how how much adrenaline and energy you get from being head to head, uh, in those close, uh, close battles, both and, and things can be really be decided, uh, in the transitions and it's stressful, but really hectic and really, really fun. I mentioned Krill briefly in the intro, just, you know, t- t- talking about like recovery and so on. And, um, you're obviously someone that gets a kick out of you know, the creative side of it, the innovation side of triathlon as well, which, um, you know, we've seen a huge amount from, from Gustav Eden and Christian Blumenfeld on the, on the other side as well. Like, yeah, would be wrong not to, to mention them at some point here and, and what they've kind of done for, for the profile of the sport. How, um, well, let's, let's talk about the, the Krill side of things first. I mean, that was just, obviously that was just, uh, something in terms of like the benefits of that, like the Omega Royals and the, the and that kind of diet, right. To, to help in recovery. But yeah, is that, is that something that you, you fully dial into and you know, as far as those, those small kind of boosts and advantages that you can get, it's, it's always worth investigating any options, is it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, uh, more so when I was a full-time triathlete, then it was basically really it was my job and not only the training was my job, but, uh, but, uh, the nutrition and the rest. And I really, I kind of enjoyed really diving into all aspects of, of the 24 hour athlete, as we call it in Norway, probably not to the extent of, uh, of Gustav and, and Christian Blumenfeld. I won't take credit for that, but, uh, but I tried, really tried to optimize in any, in any way possible. Um, in addition to to uh, being, I found quite a lot of inspiration and motivation in in trying to build partnerships. Of course, I I, I needed sponsors as well to to support that lifestyle. So um, and being kind of a business, uh, having a business interest at least, and uh, uh, now having gone into business consulting uh, as my full time job. So so I've always had that interest and uh, and that partnership with. Uh, Ocker by Marine then, which uh, are making the, the krill, krill supplements was also a very, a good combination of an ability to learn, uh, learn some aspects from the business side of things and also incorporate, um, uh, a good, uh, supplementary, um, uh, diets into, 
into what I eat and how I how I live my athlete life, basically. Yeah. And that you know you're you're part of a a huge triathlon multi sport movement within Norway at the moment. Um, do you feel yeah that the impact of of Christian and Gustav has has made a phenomenal difference, or is you know they they in previous interviews we've done with them they they've sort of talked down how their sort of profile has changed um in, and maybe it's just within the the sort of triathlon bubble that they're they're seen as superstars but what you know it's a, an olympic gold medal it, a first one in a in a sport it must have had a big impact there hasn't it definitely yeah i know it's been a huge change uh the fact in norway before them or before they really really started to to deliver incredible results uh triathlon in norway has basically been uh the 40 plus uh, uh dads who uh, have had uh, enough money to to spend on equipment and uh, kids moved out enough time to to realize themselves and uh, going for these extreme things norseman uh, ironman uh, to get them ticked off the off the box yeah. and there weren't basically any clubs in norway nowhere for young uh, triathletes to to be triathletes from the beginning there was only people who did, did cross country skiing or cycling or running uh, in their youth was in a good they were in a good shape and then when they reached uh, 30, 40, they wanted to try triathlon, basically as me. <laughs> but uh, but now after uh, with Christian and Gustav's success, uh, the the youngsters begin triathlon as their uh, main sport from a young age, and that that has a huge impact and will have in in the years to come for the recru- recruitment in uh, in Norway and. Yeah, so uh, from my perspective, it looks very, very promising for the future of uh, of triathlon in Norway. Uh, with them on that level now, imagine what can potentially happen in in five, ten, fifteen years when these people who uh, who follow this uh, this path, even from ten years instead of uh, fifteen as they did, it'll be interesting to follow. And in a similar way, you know the the things that. The likes of yourself and Sandra Mayhofer are going to be doing for Winter Triathlon, and the profile of that is is brilliantly important. And obviously, there's huge ambition for the sport within Winter Olympic programs, and the, the take up of different nations in that department is obviously all important to to making that kind of happen. So, yeah, great. Uh, seeing what you've been able to do over the last couple of years, and to see what what the future holds, and particularly this weekend, and certainly encourage everyone to to watch it. It's it was last year, I think, that Felix Duchamp, the Romanian triath- summer triathlon, and Krilan Lebihan from France, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of athletes, triathletes that use the off season to do their skiing, and whether it's a Chomel Leyman or Nina I'm from Germany, you know, you could see them. So, yeah, it, I guess maybe this is a you're, you're pioneering a bit a bit more of an overlap here as well, and, and showing what can be done. It's it's an exciting future for the sport, you think. Yeah, definitely, and I I think yeah, this especially this development in Norway with Christian and Gustav is is uh, we are trying to kind of latch on and uh, latch on to that train and and uh, and uh, experience the same development as as triathlon in, in general does in Norway. And I think also uh, from my perspective, it's uh, just 
being able to showcase um, the ability for people, for triathletes living in, in Northern Europe, uh, what fantastic sport cross country is to, to do as a recreational or a, a good basis exercise during winter. Uh, and when I reala- realized that, it's a very short way to, to transition into actually being on the start line in the winter trying world champs. So uh, hopefully we, we can contribute to, to raising the sport to, to a new level. Now with, uh, with the championship in Norway, we are broadcasting it on, on national television on Saturday and, uh, and hopefully, and uh, lots of people will come and watch at the venue as well. Oh, it's going to be super exciting. Great. Well, I need to go and pack. Got an early flight in the morning. Uh, look forward to seeing you out there. Um, and beyond this weekend, what's the rest of the year holding store? What are your what are you sticking your flag in? Will there be a Norseman appearance? Will there be a a Nice appearance? What's what's on the on the cards for for you later? Uh, for now, it's only uh, it's uh, challenge rough uh, on on the menu for me. Uh, this year, I've decided to to hand on my Norseman slot to my my fiance, and uh, me uh, <laughs> exactly. And we have uh, we're getting mar- married uh, the weekend after, so uh, oh, congratulations! I will, I will need to uh, take care of the of the planning activities. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of krill on the <laughs> to make you in the warm up for that. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. For the big day, brilliant. Well, thanks ever so much, Hans. Been great to talk to you. Good luck at the weekend. Uh, would certainly say to everyone, yeah, tune in, trust on live Saturday, ten a.m. Central European time, and watch the action. Perfect. Thanks for having me. See you. Uh, see you up there. Is bye.